Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of June 10, 2018. We begin with some very sad news. We regret to report that Ed Phillips passed away last night, Saturday, June 9. Ed attended KSB for many years and attended Kentucky Country Day School in 1969, his senior year in high school. Ed was a radio personality in Louisville for many years. Ed and Beth have come to Roundabout quite often over the past couple years, and Ed presented some very interesting programs that we all enjoyed. We sure will miss you, Ed. Rest in peace. We have a packed show for you this week. So let's get right to it. Graduation ceremonies were held at the Kentucky School for the Blind on Wednesday, May 30, and nine students were in the class of 2018. Dr. Craig Metter, president of the American Printing House for the Blind, was the commencement speaker, and he made some excellent points that hold true for most all schools for the blind in the country. The ceremony was well over an hour long, so we bring you parts of the evening on page 2. There were several interesting items posted on the Internet this week. On page 3, you will find a short announcement about an award presented to the American Council of the Blind at the end of May and an article about the ever-increasing accessibility of Apple products. We have also included an article from the Kentucky Teacher, a publication from the Kentucky Department of Education about an Internet radio station now in operation at the Kentucky School for the Blind. The article explains the growth of the program, the involvement of a junior at the school in the station's development, and how you can listen to the station 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It also touches on other aspects of the career and training project at the school. We think you will find it very interesting. And the Sound Prince calendar is on page 4. Page 2. Willie Eugene Barksdale. Willie is from Owensboro, Kentucky in Davis County. He started his education at KSB in the short-term program in 2005. He started as a full-time student in 2012 when he was in the 7th grade. He has been active in a variety of school activities, including athletics, music, art, and scouts. Willie is a big fan of reading, playing video games, watching anime, skateboarding, creating art, and digital art. Willie is being escorted by his little sister, Jamaica. Tatiana Iman Carroll. Tatiana entered KSB in 2010 as a short-term student and the following year, she began eighth grade as a full-time student. While at KSB, Tatiana has volunteered at the Ronald McDonald House, Bearbrush Christian Church, and a daycare. She enjoys reading, singing, and watching Netflix. Tatiana also loves being pampered by having her hair and makeup done. She is from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, in Hardin County, and she's being escorted by her mom, Maria. Jacob Tyler Hack. A native of Morgantown, Kentucky, in Butler County, Jacob first came to KSB as a fifth grader in 2010 for the short course program. He began as a full-time student in 2011, partway through his sixth grade year. 
Jacob has been actively involved in track, goalball, swimming, and wrestling while he has been here at KSB. He attends Central for part of the day and is also enrolled in an independent program in the dorm. Jacob is also a member of the National Honor Society. He is being accompanied by his mom, Melinda. Haley Cheyenne Hall. Haley started KSB her freshman year of high school in 2014. Her home is in Hardinsburg, Kentucky, located in Breckenridge County. Haley was a member of the KSB Scout Troop, Track and Field, Goalball, Cheerleading, and Forensics Team, and she participated in the Transition Independent Dorm Program. She likes to write, sing, draw, work with children, and help out on the farm. Her escort this evening is her grandmother, Sue Carmen. Urban. Allie entered KSB in 2011 as an 8th grade student. Before that, she was a regular in the KSB short-term program for a couple of years. Allie enjoys drawing, music, dancing, and reading fantasy-themed stories. She also enjoys working at the nursing home and volunteering at Beargrass Christian Church and the Ronald McDonald House. Allie is from Louisville, Kentucky and Jefferson County, and she is being escorted by her mom, Julie. Shane Michael Lowe. Shane is accompanied by his mom, Jennifer. He has been at KSB since the first grade at the end of 2006. His hometown is right here in Louisville, Jefferson County, Kentucky. He has been a participant in various sports, percussion ensemble, and has supported other musicians in his role as a percussionist. He has also participated in the Louisville Story Program, both as a contributing author and a speaker. Shane has attended Central part-time since he was a freshman and is a part of the National Honor Society. He also loves going to concerts, reading books, and playing the drums. Miguel Angelo Magianis. Miguel is from Louisville, Kentucky and Jefferson County. He started at KSB in the short-term program in 2009 and became a full-time student during his fifth grade year in 2010. He has also attended Central High School as a part-time student since his sophomore year. Miguel is a big fan of music, reading, and playing guitar. Miguel is being escorted by his mother, Larissa. Calvin Jamal Phipps Gibson, a native of Louisville, Kentucky, CJ first came to KSB as a fifth grader in 2008. CJ has been involved in percussion and choir since he has been at KSB. He enjoys exercising, watching TV, talking on the phone, and reading on his iPad. He has enjoyed volunteering at Miller's Gym, St. Francis of Rome Church, Beargrash Christian Church, and the Ronald McDonald House. CJ is being accompanied by his grandparents, Billy and May. Gabriel Alexander Smith. He has, Gabe has been at KSB since the eighth grade, beginning in 2012. Gabe is from Washington County. He has been an active participant in goalball, track, and field, and also participated in forensics this year. He has taken both percussion and piano lessons while here at KSB. Gabe also loves listening to audiobooks, playing video games, and climbing rock walls. Gabe was escorted by Miss Kirsten Price.
Good evening and welcome to the Kentucky School for the Blind commencement for the class of 2018. This is a special occasion and celebration and I'm honored to be here with family, with staff, with teachers, and with distinguished guests from Kentucky Department of Education. It is my pleasure to introduce our new Commissioner of Education and KSB Superintendent, Dr. Wayne Lewis. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is a pleasure to be here celebrating the commencement of the 2018 graduates at KSB. I've been in this post for about six weeks now and had the opportunity to visit KSB for the first time just last week, where I got to meet the staff, meet the students, and uh, get a first-hand look at what, is, what was going on at the school. And I'll tell you, I was incredibly impressed. The only thing I'd say to you uh, in terms of words of welcome and what, what makes me excited about being here is to remember that today's celebration is in fact commencement. It is the marking of the end of one chapter, but the beginning of a new chapter for you. And as high as the expectations have been for you graduates, from your teachers, from the staff here, from your parents, and the community that surround you, our expectations for you going forward are even higher. And so we expect you to do great things as you move forward. And so on behalf of the Kentucky Department of Education, we welcome you. Graduates, we congratulate you. Family, friends, and support, we thank you for all that you have done to support um, your young people as they've reached this very important milestone. Thank you. My name is Michael Coffey, and I'm lucky enough to get to work here uh, as a Chief Academic Officer. Tonight, I have the honor of introducing our commencement speaker and a true partner for Kentucky School for the Blind. Dr. Craig Metter is the current president of the American Printing House for the Blind. Throughout his career, he has been a teacher and educational leader for children who are blind and visually impaired. He previously served as American Printing House's Vice President of Educational Services and Product Development. Dr. Metter was employed as the Director of Outreach Services and State Vision Consultant in the state of Washington. He served as the Washington State Department of Public Instructors and is a member of the American Printing House's Educational Product Advisory Committee. Prior to that, he served as principal of the Washington State School of the Blind, where he started as a teacher. Join me in giving a warm Kentucky School for the Blind welcome to Dr. Craig Bennett. It is a warm welcome. <laughs> it is. I am still getting used to uh, Kentucky weather. I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and I'm just a fragile flower up here, wilting. So if I wipe my brow from time to time, uh, forgive me. I, I know that none of you experience humidity the way we experience humidity from the West Coast. So bear with me. And, but I'm, I'm learning to, I don't complain. I guess I'm complaining now. Because I don't complain about it much anymore. I've been here three years now. And I truly have enjoyed my time in Kentucky and love Kentucky and, and uh, refer to it as home. And uh, it's just some of the warm days I really learned to appreciate air conditioning as well. 
Well, I'm, I'm not planning on spending a lot of time talking, and you're saying thank goodness for that. So we will get started and get going. So first of all, let me do a, a more of a formal welcome. First of all, our graduates up here on stage, family members, staff, and everyone else that has gathered here tonight for such a great occasion. Welcome. When I was principal, graduation day was one of my favorite days, probably only second to uh, the start of school. And uh, you know, there's many reasons for that. But uh, it, it's, you know, it did signal the end of the school year. Graduates would graduate a few days later. All our other students would leave. And it also meant that my teachers would leave for the summer. Where, and I know we got some teachers here. If you're a teacher here, raise your hand. Okay. So if you are a teacher at the school for the blind, um, any school for the blind, usually you have some of the most energetic, high-powered teachers who are tireless fighters for their students. And they're also exhausting. They would come into my office continually saying, Craig, if I can just get a few more dollars for this, we can do this. Or I, we have this opportunity for our students to do this, and this will really have an impact in their lives. So you would, you would work to find those dollars and those opportunities to make those, those things come true. And I just always felt like when teachers went home for the summer, it was a chance where I could just catch my collective breath, and it would give me about eight weeks to reset before they came back in the fall and were ready to start up again. I love my teachers, and uh, so teachers, keep being persistent, keep coming to Jackie and to Mike and asking for those special allowances because it makes a difference for all these students. Probably the most important thing about graduation day, it was, it was the, our annual measuring stick. We would look at all our graduates that would be on the stage with us and we would say, how did we do as a school? How did we do as an educational family? And did we do right by our students? These are students that had learned so much and had grown so much. As you heard here, some of these students have been here a few years. Some of them have been here since their elementary years. And we were always, you know, we, we would see them as these ones are today, so eager to be done. Maybe a little concerned about next steps. Maybe a, a little unsure of what is ahead of them. And uh, we, we felt as staff that these were some of our kids. And, and parents, thank you for sharing your sons and daughters. And grandparents, thank you for sharing your sons and daughters with this school. Because that's a huge, huge sacrifice. Because that meant you missed some birthdays. It meant you missed some family celebrations. So kudos to all of you and, and, uh, and this school and the staff who work here realize the sacrifices you've made to provide them this education. So uh, many thanks to you. Well, let's get on with it. The nine of you here are graduating and had an incredible adventure during your time at KSB. You've had opportunities that other students haven't had who've been in public school. And I believe you are way ahead of your peers in, in many ways. And some of you are probably thinking, yeah, maybe that's true. So I'm going to ask a few questions similar to the questions I asked you this morning. And I want to, by show of hands, I want to know how many of you can do your own laundry? Raise that hand. If you've done your own laundry here while at KSB, raise your hand. All right. Next question. 
How many of you use, how many of you use, sound like I'm from Jersey, how many of you have uh, successfully used public transportation? You can manage your own money. How many of you have held a job while at KSB? How many of you can keep your room clean? <laughs> so that you don't starve. <laughs> How many of you are already connected with adult services? You have a counselor who's working with you, either for school or next step, college programs, whatever. That's a metric stick right there. According to several research studies that I've been reading, is the majority of 18-year-olds don't have these skills when they leave high school. So parents, you can take a bow for that, and KSB staff, you can also share in that bow. You can clap for yourselves, it's okay. <laughs> and unfortunately, graduates, I just outed you. Um, so parents and grandparents, you can hold them accountable and hold those high expectations that they'll keep their rooms clean and will do their own laundry and cook for themselves. So let's get started with, with our talk. No surprise to many of you on the stage or anybody in the audience, we live in a world that has rapidly changed in the last 20 years. And if you want to scratch that, you can say technology has changed the world in the last 20 years. And in many ways, that has become a great equalizer for all of us, especially for our students. Um, but when you read about graduates, these 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20 and 21-year-old students that are leaving uh, schools like KSB, it becomes very apparent that they've been changed by technology as well. Um, we know that learning practices have changed in the classroom. The way I was taught when I was in high school aren't necessarily effective tools for teaching anymore. Teachers have had to adjust their, their learning protocols. We use a different pedagogy now. To, to help students accelerate their learning. A lot of learning is happening independently. So there's a lot of changes and challenges that have happened as a result of technology. Some of that access, though, has created some drawbacks, as we well know. And, and some of you have probably already faded on me, but we know that from studies that our attention spans have gotten progressively shorter. By the same token, though, we know that we've been developed uh, over the last few years, some really good intentional facilities for focused viewing. And I'm talking to you binge watchers on Netflix, as well as you gamers. And I know some of you can kill a whole weekend, and I only say that because I've been one of those people who kill a whole weekend either playing games or watching television. So there, there are some pluses and there are some minuses here. We know that the computers, your phones, that you carry in your pocket have more, have more power and ability than the uh, computers that launched the first uh, space rockets. And that's a pretty amazing thing to think about. In fact, the, the last space shuttle that went up in 2011 uh, basically had less than an eighth of the computing computer power that you have in your current iPhone if you're using an iPhone. So that is pretty phenomenal, and our students are probably saying, what's a space shuttle? So it's, it's been a little while. You can read up on that one. It's technology. 
Technology also has some drawbacks. It has some pluses. We'll talk about pluses for a second. One is um, I have the Wave 3 app. So uh, shout out to Wave 3. I know when I'm going to get wet or when it's going to be humid, which is good. But I also, the drawback is I also can uh, tell you that when you get into a wreck with a semi-truck, you call the hammer. Um, or you call 1-800-CALL-ROS or, you know, so there's these messages, there's this noise that surrounds us continually. Some of these messages are informational messages, some of them are inspirational messages, some of them are offensive. And there's a lot of useless messages floating out there. So, and we'll, so I'm going to try to put these on for size. When I say Subway, you say, eat fresh, okay? Like, is there an option not to eat fresh, I suppose? I say Barbies, you say, we got the meats. It's like, well, what'd you get for Christmas? I got the meats. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. And this final one, you know, you hear that jingle, ba da ba 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 Yeah, okay. Our world is surrounded with these useless earworm-type messages, this noise. And at its very base, all these things are, are just thoughts competing for your attention. According to research from Microsoft Advertising, the average user of technology will be exposed to 600 messages a day. And several market researchers say that you're exposed to roughly 3,000 ads per day. That's for the average phone user. Some of you have probably seen quite a bit more. And every one of those messages and every one of those ads are giving you some information. They're encouraging you to think about something or not think about something. They're asking you to consider your ideas. They're asking you to change your platform. They're asking you to feel needy. They're asking you to fulfill a desire that you've had for a long time. And probably most importantly, they're asking you to part with your identity for something better when all they really want from you is your attention. They want you to believe something. So while I have you for the next five minutes, I want to impart three messages which I think are every bit as good as we got the beats, or eat fresh, or you're loving it, okay? Just three messages, and, and it, adults and family members and friends out there, these are messages for you as well as for me, so here we go. Three messages. First message I have for you is you are enough. So what does that mean to be enough? Well, it doesn't sound like much of a compliment, but you are enough. The definition of enough does not mean full. I didn't say you are full. It does mean that you are sufficient to function. It's like, wow, you're really impressing us, Dr. Better. I'm sufficient to function. It sounds kind of cold, but let me explain this. The messages that inundate you every day will tell you that you will not be truly happy unless you dress a certain way, buy certain products, travel to an exotic location, have a particular job. They fill you with the doubt that somehow, perhaps everyone else has it going on and you miss the boat. To which I say, they're wrong and you are enough. You are an amazing individual with skills and gifts that are to be used today, tomorrow, and for all the days to come. I'm not saying that products are bad, and I'm not saying that travel is bad or wanting a different job is a bad thing. 
I'm not saying learning new skills is not something to be desired, and growing as an individual is bad. I am saying that if you believe that you are not okay, unless you add a product or an opportunity to your life, then you're mistaken. You are believing the opposite, and the opposite of enough is insufficient, lacking, or inadequate. None of which is true. You are enough. Our second message, you are capable. Perhaps, again, not the most flattering compliments. You know, what do you think about Joe? Oh, he's capable. He's real capable. But don't let, the, don't let the flourish of that statement fool you. We need to look at the definition once again. To be capable means that you have capacity, you have ability, you are efficient, and you are able. I love this word because it is a truth that is both measurable as well as a descriptor of potential. If you think about a car, every car has a speedometer, and there's a reason for that. A car speedometer tells you that it has the ability to travel at various speeds depending on the situation. Most driving occurs at 35 miles an hour. We know that from just driving around town. But there are times when you are allowed to drive in excess of 70 miles per hour, and for those who don't understand speed limits, some of you go faster than but most speedometers in the cars begin at zero and go up to 100 or 120, and so on. Now, personally, I've never taken my car up to 120, but it's good to know that it has the capability, should I ever need to go 120, that I should be able to travel at such a speed. Life is like that. Life is gonna make you travel at different speeds, and that's okay because you are capable. My suggestion for all of you is that you try to start at a speed that is comfortable for you. For some of you, that will be going into the world of work. For some of you, that will be getting a little more training. For some of you, that will be college. Regardless, you'll have many opportunities to travel faster in life. That could be learning a new skill. That could be moving into your own apartment, joining a new group of friends, getting a new job. All of those are traveling at different speeds. And it's scary, to be honest with you. Sometimes it's not fun. But if you do it, you stick with it, soon that fear will pass, and you'll be ready for more challenges. So I encourage you to give that a try, because you have the capacity, you are able, and you are capable. And finally, I want you to be responsible. Today is the beginning of being an adult. You are responsible. Again, the definition. To be responsible means able to make moral or rational decision on one's own and therefore answerable for one's behavior. Able to be trusted, dependent upon, trustworthy or reliable. Those first two messages I gave you, you are in enough, you are enough, and you are capable, are truths. This final message is a choice. You have been raised and taught right from wrong. You have seen what it means to work hard, to play hard, to struggle. You've seen good times, and I'm sure some of you have seen some of the ugliness of life, that sometimes life has a way of showing you. Given all that you've seen and you know, you're faced with the most important message, and that is you are responsible. The choices you make as you move forward have benefits and consequences. 
I would like to tell you you're always going to make the right choice and you're always going to just experience benefits, but that would be a lie because you're growing up and just like the rest of us in this room, sometimes we make poor choices which have consequences. And sometimes we make the right choices and somebody else messes up and we have consequences. The hardest thing to do is to be responsible. Being responsible for your actions, sometimes being responsible for others. But I will tell you this, it's always the right thing. you got many exciting adventures ahead of you, each one of you. They're going to be both thrilling, they're going to be scary, but your families and your friends, the staff at KSV and others have made sure that you're ready. You are enough. You are capable. And please, please, please be responsible. Congratulations, graduates. And now, the moment that you've all been waiting for, the presentations of the diplomas. I would like to invite Commissioner Wayne Lewis to assist Ms. William in presenting the diplomas. Audience, please hold your applause until I announce the class of 2018. Would the class of 2018 please rise? Willie Eugene Barksdale. Tatiana Iman Carroll. Jacob Tyler Pack. Haley Cheyenne Hall. Allison Nicole Irvin.
as Nearby Explorer, is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Page 3. Around the Internet. This first article was posted on ACB Leadership on June 5 and is entitled ACB Receives CNIB Century of Change Award. This year, CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, celebrates its 100th year of service in Canada, a century of remarkable change for people who are blind or partially sighted. As part of their anniversary celebrations, they have created the CNIB Century of Change Awards program to honor the many clients, volunteers, supporters, community partners, and innovators who have made that progress possible. The American Council of the Blind was chosen to receive a CNIB Century of Change Award in recognition of its outstanding voluntary contributions to the blindness community around the world. This award was presented during the Library and Archives Canada event on May 29, 2018. Mitch Pomerantz, immediate past president of ACB, accepted this award on behalf of ACB. And this article is accompanied by a picture of Mitch Pomerantz, immediate past president of ACB, receiving the CNIB Century of Change Award on the American Council of the Blind's behalf. The next article was posted on June 8, 2018, and is entitled at Apple's WWDC 2018, Accessibility Pervades All. This article is from finance.yahoo.com slash news slash apple dash apos dash WWDC dash twenty eighteen dash accessibility dash two three zero 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 five eight seven seven dot HTML. Accessibility has long played an integral role in Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, and it certainly had its presence felt in 2018. There are some constant elements of the week, such as the labs, sessions, and midweek social that brings together members of Apple's accessibility group, developers, and others interested in the disabled community to celebrate inclusiveness and accessible design. This year had a different vibe. After attending the keynote and speaking with numerous people at Apple during the week, one feeling that has resonated with me is that accessibility, conceptually, has become a mandatory part of not only how Apple designs its products, but of the Apple ecosystem at large. To be mindful of accessibility is now, more than ever, an expectation. Several student scholarship winners I spoke to eagerly expressed their desire to learn more about what accessibility is, how it works, and how to best incorporate it into their apps. They truly want to build tools for everyone. 
The announcements made this year were less about discrete features for accessibility's sake and more about how the new features, as Apple designed them, are inherently accessible. The Apple Design Awards, for instance, has included an accessibility category the last few years, but not so this year. In fact, accessibility has always been part of the criteria for selecting winners, and Apple says this year's winners have support for accessibility built in. Calzy, C-A-L-Z-Y, a calculator app from indie developer Raha Vijayaraman, R-A-J-A-V-I-J-A-Y-A-R-A-M-A-N, supports dynamic type. Accessible Announcements As a disabled reporter who has covered the last several Apple Media events, I've attended enough now that I've come to realize there is an interesting, to me, accessibility angle to how the company structures its events and how it supports attendees with disabilities. That is another story for another time, but I found myself thinking about it during Monday's keynote address. The slides Apple showed were the most readable I've seen yet. As someone who has low vision, this is critically important. The white, bold, San Francisco typeface set against the black background made for such high contrast that I had no problems seeing every slide, even the word cloud ones, listing ancillary features. This made my job covering the news easier because I wasn't straining my eyes in order to get important information. Accessibility-wise, Monday's keynote slides were infinitely more visually friendly than the ones used at a March event in Chicago. As pretty and appropriately themed as they were, I found those slides difficult to see. I liked WWDC's much better. The lesson here is in how pervasive and dynamic accessibility can be. Accessibility is everywhere, and the relevance in this case is that it extends way beyond any new software features. Accessibility for everyone. There are a handful of new mainstream features across Apple's platforms that the company feels has great potential in an accessibility context. This epitomizes the idea of accessibility for everyone, software not built expressly for accessibility, but designed in such a way that users of all abilities can benefit. One such feature is group FaceTime in iOS 12. Apple famously introduced deaf users in an iPhone 4 commercial many moons ago, and FaceTime has remained a popular method of communication for many users in the deaf community. Whereas previously the feature was essentially a one-to-one -one conversation, the arrival of iOS 12 this fall will make it possible to converse with 1 to 32 people at once. For the deaf and hard of hearing, the ability to include one's entire family or friends or co-workers should make FaceTime an even more compelling technology for deaf users. Another example is the walkie-talkie mode in Watch OS 5. 
I've seen chapters I've seen chatter on Twitter that it seems like a frivolous addition, but in actuality it can be practical. Imagine you're someone who's a caregiver for a person with severe physical impairments or simply elderly, and both of you have an Apple Watch. With walkie-talkie, you can radio each other from separate locations in a home or care facility right from your wrists. No need to iMessage or make a phone call or ring a bedside call button. All you need is your Apple Watch and the walkie-talkie mode. The following article is from the Kentucky Teacher and features programs at the Kentucky School for the Blind. This is entitled Finding Their Niche on the Air by Mike Marcy, M-A-R-S-E-E, posted on June 5, 2018. Alex Stein left a junior at the Kentucky School for the Blind and Dan Sherrard the school's career and technical education teacher, manned the controls at KSB's internet radio station, which began broadcasting earlier this spring. The station is an extension of the school's CTE program that allows students to develop skills they can use after they leave high school. The photo is by Bobby Ellis, May 21, 2018. The latest mass media venture at the Kentucky School for the Blind, KSB, has a greater reach than any of the school's previous broadcasting efforts, and a greater purpose as well. An internet radio station allows KSB students to be heard far beyond the school's Louisville campus, and it also is giving them the opportunity to gain valuable experience that can help them after they leave high school. KSB Radio is the latest component of a growing career and technical education CTE program at the school. Quote, we tried to set up a CTE program that was conducive to the needs of our students. We said, what's a practical application we can come up with that's synergistic with what our kids are doing? Said Dan Sherrard, KSB's CTE teacher. The answer was an internet radio station, a venture that Sherrard said fits the strengths of the student population by utilizing technologies such as screen readers, non-visual desktop access computers, and magnifiers slash readers. The new radio station also provides an on-campus application for the subjects Sherrard is teaching, including business and marketing, entrepreneurship, advanced computer and technology applications, digital literacy, and financial literacy. Those were areas that KSB and its stakeholders deemed important when they set up the school's CTE program. Sherrard said the goal is to develop marketable skills for KSB students who often face significant barriers to finding employment in their hometowns. Quote, we had no CTE program four years ago, and we were trying to figure out what we could do to get these students college and career ready, Sherrard said. Sherrard said students involved in the program have earned CTE certifications through the Kentucky Occupational Skills Standards Assessment, KOSSA, and the CertiPort test, 
which provides a Microsoft Office Specialist Certification. He said 20 to 25 middle school and high school students are involved with the radio station, which launched in March and began live streaming in April, and several of those students have played integral roles in its development. Quote, once we built the quote, once we built the radio station, the kids embraced it, said Sherard. I'm not a radio guy, but they've come up with things. They just ran with it. Students have learned how to use all of the equipment and have set the studio up to be used by students with no sight, meaning everything will be accessible to the blind and visually impaired students who will follow them. They have placed braille markers on all of their equipment, even placing markers on the wall behind the mixer board, through which the audio signals are controlled to indicate the location of ports and plugs and the direction in which cords should be plugged into them. KSB Radio KSB Radio can be heard via TuneIn and is expected to soon be available via iHeartRadio. One of the students who has helped KSB Radio advance from concept to reality in a few short weeks is Alex Stein, a junior from Oldham County who serves as one of the station's two engineers. Quote, the fact that it did become something like this is great, Stein said. I thought it would be next year before we could do any of this. It's a far cry from the old WKSB, a low-power FM station that could be heard within a one-and-a-half-mile radius of the KSB campus that went off the air about five years ago. When Stein was a sixth grader, he was the youngest disc jockey for WKSB, which used tape and compact disc players, which are obsolete now, as well as a board that's about twice the size of the one in use today. Quote, now I know a whole lot about radio stations, a lot that I didn't know before, he said. Everyone has the opportunity to come in here and learn about broadcasting. This is going to be here for a long time. Alex Stein, a junior at the Kentucky School for the Blind, runs the control board of the school's new internet radio station. Stein, one of the station's engineers, helped get the station up and running with the capability to play music and do live broadcasts from the studio and remote locations. This was a photo captioned by Bobby Ellis. KSB Radio broadcasts music selected and downloaded by Stein and the other students 24 hours a day. Stein even wrote a program that allows the song title and artist to be displayed on screens while a song is playing. There are also live broadcasts, such as a show that airs twice weekly, in which students talk and take calls about topics of interest to the blind and visually impaired. Recent topics have included how to cook or perform other everyday functions and how to do other things, such as gaming. There are remote broadcasts as well. The station has the ability to broadcast from events, such as graduation and check-in day, or allow students to broadcast from home, thanks largely to the work of Stein and other station engineer Mason Tilly, a Trimble County High School student who attends KSB's short-term program. All of the station's broadcasts are saved as podcasts for access after they air live. 
Sherrard said officials at KSB and the Kentucky Department of Education, KDE, supported the station's launch. Some of that support came from Greta Hilton, director of KDE's Division of Learning Services, and from Jared Sloan, a consultant in that division who has worked in broadcasting and who said he jumped at the chance to assist the school. Sloan met with Sherrard and the administrators at the school, and they arrived at the decision to broadcast online rather than over the air. Quote, Greta fully supported the idea and graciously allowed me to take part in startup planning. We decided as a team the only way we could go was an online broadcasting format. This way, the station could reach the maximum number of families and community members possible, Sloan said. With over 20 years of broadcasting experience myself, I wanted to make certain that students at KSB had the opportunity to take part in working in media, just like I was given that as a teenager. There also was support from AT&T, which provided funding for equipment such as microphones and software through a connection with Stein, who won an award for his work at the AT&T Community Custom Support Forum. The Kentucky School for the Blind Charitable Foundation also bought a new computer and is paying the royalty fees required to play the music the station uses. But Gerard said the work of setting up and running the station has been done entirely by his students. Quote, this is all student-driven. They created all of this, he said. They keep thinking of new things they can come up with to make things easier for the visually impaired community and themselves. And that's what is so wonderful about this. And it connects to our entire CTE program. He said his hope is that working at the station will allow students to build skills and confidence they can use beyond high school. Quote, what we don't want is for them to leave here and not utilize the skills they've learned, Sherrard said. I just want to make sure we have a program that's capable of enhancing the great things that these students can do. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. On June 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, meets in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The speaker will be from the Owensboro Police Department, talking about scams. It will be at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Boggess at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170 for more information. June 13 is another OFB OVR hearing, this time in Hazard. 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time at the Kentucky Career Center, 412 Roy Campbell Drive in Hazard. Call Lisa Mead at 606-436-5751, extension 7028 for details. June 13 is the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind Meeting at 7 p.m. by conference call 605-475-4700, enter code 155-619. For more information, call 859-781-7369. June 13 is the KCBPR Membership Committee Meeting. This meeting is at 8 p.m. 
Eastern Time, and the dial-in number is 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595193. On June 14 is another OFB-OVR merger hearing in Ashland. This is the last in the series of merger meetings. It is from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time at the Kentucky Career Center in Ashland, 411 19th Street. Contact Kaneta Free Home at 800-334-6881 for more information. On June 14, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold the next support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. On June 15, there will be a GLCB roundabout, including education and technology from 3.30 to 5 p.m., discussion time and tip sheet from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $5 per person, and games and crafts from 7 until 10. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. June 16 is Braille for the Sighted from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the APH Museum. Do you ever stare at those dots in an elevator and wonder how they can possibly mean words? In two hours, we can have you reading simple Braille and writing Braille on a slate and stylus or with a Braille writer. Contact the APH Museum at 502-899-2213. Best for adults and children 6 and up. June 17 is the next KSB Alumni Board Meeting at 8 p.m. by phone at 605 Four seven five six zero zero six. Enter code two nine four 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 four. On June eighteen, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its June board meeting at seven thirty p.m. by conference call. Dial six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three and enter code three five seven two five nine five one nine three. June 22 will be the last GLCB roundabout of the month. Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5 p.m. Discussion, 5 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7, $5 per person. And games and crafts from 7 until 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. On June 24 is the ACB Families Parent Support Group. By conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The telephone number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. On June 25, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will have their next membership conference call at 7 p.m. By telephone, the phone number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. June 27 is the Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group. It's from noon to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council office in Lexington, 1093 South Broadway. Be sure to give them a call at least two days in advance at 859-259-1834. June 29 to July 6 is the 57th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind. The week will begin with tours of St. Louis and a trip 
to the Cardinals baseball game and end with a historic visit to Hannibal, Missouri to learn all about Mark Twain. Enjoy exhibits, workshops, programs, additional tours, and many fun activities at the Union Station Hotel in St. Louis. Pre-registration closes June 17. For more information, visit www.acbconvention.org. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.